welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Vacaville, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We are so glad and honored that you would join us today, and we pray that this message you're listening to is a blessing to your day. We want to invite you to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service times. We hope to see you at a service or a special event sometime soon. I usually, the first time I preach somewhere, I preach my testimony. And uh, I wasn't going to do that today because I said a little bit about it uh, Tuesday night. But I really feel like God wants me to, to, uh, to preach this radical adjustments to extreme dilemmas. Because brother got up here and he said, you know, he said, I, I'm not a professional at this witnessing. And you know, nobody is. And it's just like a carpenter. The first time he picks up a hammer, he doesn't drive that nail straight the first time. But the more he does it, the better he gets. And now... He can pick it up and drive it without even thinking about it. And that's how it is with God. When you're living for God and you do it on a daily basis, you become more familiar with him. Amen? Amen? You may be seated. I'm going to talk just a minute. I'm sorry. I'm not in a hurry. I come a long ways. And so uh, I just, uh, you know, um, there's consequences to exposure. When you're exposed to something, there's consequences to it. And uh, I live down south, right by the uh, right by the Gulf of Mexico beaches, uh, Freeport beaches there, Surfside. And, uh, you can tell when young people go to the beach because when they come in that afternoon, they're getting gas, they're bright red or whatever. You know, <laughs> you know they've been exposed to the to the sun. Amen. Now they didn't get that way from just being there five or ten minutes, but the longer they got exposed to the sun, the more of the sun's characteristics they took on. Amen. And see, that's how it is with God. You can come to church every once in a while, or you can even come on a Sunday and on a Wednesday and just kind of get in the presence of God a little bit, but that's not going to change you. You're not going to take on his characteristics. Paul said, I die daily, amen. I lay myself down daily. I go to the cross daily, amen. The outward man perishes, but the inward man is renewed day by day. And when you do that, that means that God is working on you. You're, you're getting exposed to the consequences of God's presence. And you begin to walk different and talk different and act different. Amen. Uh, I hadn't seen this one man for years. For years, I hadn't seen him probably 14 or 15 years. And we were in a restaurant, not even in my hometown. And the guy walked up to me and said, you're Merle Abers' kid, aren't you? And I said, how do you know I was Merle Abers' kid? I don't look anything like my father. He said, well, you walk like him. And when I heard you laugh, you laughed just like your father laughed. And so after 17 years of living at home with my family, I took on some of my dad's characteristics, amen? And see, that's how it is when you're living for God. The longer you live for God and the more you get in his presence, the more of his characteristics you take on. And that's why people look at you different. And, and, and I'm going to tell you something, I've never really had anybody be rude to me except for other people that quote-unquote call themselves Christians. I have not had a sinner get rude with me yet. I mean, I've walked in the stores and saw people that are at the pharmacy, and I, I said, are you, you been sick? Yeah, could I pray for you? Sure, never met them a day of my life. But it's, that, it's an exposure, that, that, that consequences of divine exposure. You get exposed to the presence of God. It's like you buy a house, an old house, and you can't open the doors, and you can't shut the windows, and, and that's because there's a foundational uh, problem. The foundation has to be repaired, and so that's how it is with Christians. Sometimes people don't see God's characteristics in us, and we need to come to church and have a foundational repair. We got to get back to our foundation of knowing that there's only one God, and his name's Jesus, amen? Amen. Yeah. 
and he can answer all your situations and problems. He can do it all. 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting verse number 1. Now, uh, he wrote this years ago. Now, this years ago, but notice how relevant it is today. Uh, people say, oh, the Bible's archaic. Oh, no, it's not, man. It's relevant today. And notice what 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting with verse number uh, 1 says. It says, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. He says, this know also. He said, make note of this. This know also that in the last days perilous times are going to come. There's going to be there's going to be times when, when everybody gets stressed out. There's going to be times when you don't see how we can ever get out of what we've got ourselves into. Amen. And so it says, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Uh-oh. Some of you young people, I got news for y'all. Y'all couldn't have made it in my day. If you didn't say yes, sir, no, sir, you better be ducking because you'd get a backhand. My dad, you say break your jaw to say sir? No, sir, it don't. But notice that's what we're seeing today. Disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despised of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Now, having a form of godliness, they call themselves Christian, and they go to church and clap their hands. They have a form of God, but they deny the power, that power that's able to change them, amen? It's not enough just to go to church. You got to be in the church, amen? And it was Jesus that said, upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Church is not a defensive weapon. It is an offensive weapon. Amen. It's offensive, not defensive. Man, I'm here to tell you the gates of hell shall not prevail. You know, hell ought to be scared of this church. Amen. And if we all come to the same place at the same time and worship the same way and believe the same thing, hell will be scared. You might as well go ahead and tell hell you're not coming. Amen. One place in the Bible says hell has enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure. A place that's not designed for man has to enlarge itself. You hear what I'm talking about? Another place that said hell has to move out of its place to meet the at thy coming. I got news for the devil. Tell hell I'm not coming, amen. I'm going to live in for God. I'm going to be in church. I'm going to shout. I'm going to worship. I'm not giving up. I'm not going to back up. Somebody say praise the Lord having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, notice, if any man be in Christ, now I know that we got today, you got to say man, women, and all that, but y'all know what I'm talking about. The Bible says, what it says, man means everybody. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. You hear what I'm talking about? A new creature. You're not an old creature, you're a new creature. Now, notice what it says, behold. I like what it says. I love the way the Bible's written. And I, I love the King James Version because these other versions take away from all the, the real good emphasis that's put on stuff. Amen. Like uh, David said, yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And people say, man, well, why do you say? Well, there's guys at football stadiums today hollering yay when their team scores. Amen. But David said, yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. You know why? He knew who his God was, amen. And when you know who your God is, it don't matter how bad it gets, yay, though I walk through it. It says you're going through it. You're going through it, amen. Yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now notice now, when they saw the boldness, now, now excuse me, therefore if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, old things pass away, behold, all things become new. Behold. 
All things become new. On April 9, 1980, I became a new creature in Christ. Old things passed away. Behold, all things became new. I, I got rid of my drugs that night, my rock music that night. I, I got rid of, I, man, I haven't even cussed since that night. I, I just, it just, it totally just changed me. I became a new creature. You know why? I had reached rock bottom. I was so low. I was, I was at the point of wanting to uh, commit suicide. That's how bad it got. And I was staying high and drunk all the time. But man, God made a new creature out of me. I became a new creature. Old things passed away. Behold, all things become new. Amen. And uh, man, I, I, I tell you what, I was excited about that. Now notice verse 413. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were ignorant or unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. Now, now, when's the last time you saw somebody ignorant and unlearned that you marveled? But see, those old smart little old religious people back then, when they saw the boldness, now, that's why they marveled. They saw the boldness of Peter and John. Remember, Peter denied Jesus not too long before that. But when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, it says that they marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been to church. No. No, that they'd been with Jesus, amen. I'm telling you, when you come to church and you're with Jesus, if you just come to church, you, you don't have to be with Jesus. Huh? But if you come to church and you participate and you love God, you're with Jesus, they're going to know you've been with Jesus when you leave here. If your husband's lost, he'll know you've been with Jesus. If your wife's lost, she'll know you've been with Jesus, amen. Your children will know you've been with Jesus. So now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. I want to talk about radical adjustments to extreme dilemmas just for a little while. Radical adjustments. Uh, when I came to church for the first time, I had an afro about this big. Uh, I didn't look like anything that would want God. I didn't look like anything God would want. Uh, and so uh, I had a guy witness to me four years before. And when I got in the army and I, I excelled and I got into drugs where I broke my, my knee into. And I started just digressing. I started spiraling out of control. And then when my dad died at 46, I, I just gave up. I didn't care anymore. He was our focal point. He was our anchor of our family, and he was gone. I didn't see him for two years because I'd been in the Army, and boy, the old devil was working on me because there were things I needed to apologize to my dad for that I never could. You hear me, people? You better make it right with your family right now. You better make it right with people right now. Don't walk around carrying grudges. Don't walk around with bitterness in your heart. Bitterness only destroys the vessel it's held in. It never destroys the one it's bitter against. Amen. You hear what I'm talking about? So man, I mean, I, I was so messed up, man. I, I, I looked up a guy that I hadn't seen in four years, man. And, and when I went to his house and I knocked on the door, man, he still looked the same, had that Holy Ghost smile. And uh, man, I knew I used to smoke dope with him. And I knew, man, he changed. And if he's been doing it for four years, I knew what he had was real. And I repented right on his doorstep. I began to weep and cry. And he told me about who Jesus was. And I just began to squall like a baby. I mean, I was 23 years old and uh, I had a chain around my Next said, number one, I thought a lot about myself back then. <laughs> but something got a hold of me that night on that, on that porch on a Monday night. And uh, I, I, he said, we have a quartet coming in. They're playing Wednesday night, come to church, man. I was in the rock and roll, you know, ACDC, Led Zeppelin, and Molly Hatchet and all them people. And, and he said, there's a quartet. You know, the quartet is see, four guys that sing, right? And there, he, said, oh, he said, I want you to come. Well, you know, most people thought, well, I wouldn't have gone because I had an afro this big. I'd been high. 
And, and, but you know what I did Wednesday when I got off work, man? I, I, I was so convicted that I went to the church that I was born and raised in, not in the same town, but the same type of church. And I worked in the oil field, and I had that afro, and I, I had a, a, one of them, uh, them uh, uh, safety helmets on. And when you pulled it off, I had a poof there and a poof there and a poof there and a poof there where the headband went. And I, was, I had oil all over me because I was a lease operator for mobile oil production. And, and I, I, I didn't look too good. But I walked into that place all excited because I'd repented Monday on, on Greg's doorstep. And so I went into there and I told that lady, I said, hey, uh, man, I repented of my sins. I want to get baptized. And she said, who are you? I said, never mind. I walked out. I went across the street to another denominational church. And when I got over there, I walked in there and said, hey, I'd like to get baptized. They said, we baptize once a month. I said, you don't understand, man. I need the Holy Ghost. And she looked at me like I was a, like a mule looking at a new gate. She didn't know what I was talking about. And so I left. And then I drove around. I went and partied with some of my friends, just talking to them, visiting with them, you know. And then God convicted me and said, you said you were going to go to that boy's church tonight. And it was 8.30 before I got there. And when I got there, the quartet was just singing one of their couple of more songs, I guess. And, and I walked through the back doors. And when I walked through the back doors, it felt like something cut me in half and everything bad fell off. And when I walked in, all of a sudden, God removed all the confusion. He gave me that space of grace where he takes everything away and and I could see clearly, and I saw those guys up there singing. And the one singer was doing something with the, with the volume. He turned me and said, I feel like God touched somebody. He didn't even see me walk in. And, and there were young people shouting and old people shouting and young people running around. I didn't wait for the song to be over. I ran right down to the altar, and I began to lift my hands and pray. And God filled me with the Holy Ghost, and I got baptized in Jesus' name. My God made a radical adjustment. God made a radical adjustment by extreme dilemma. You hear what I'm talking about? That's what Vacaville needs. It needs a radical adjustment. It needs to see somebody in this building get a radical adjustment to your dilemma, amen. Whatever you're going through, you need to go ahead and go through it tonight and get to the other side, amen. Make up in your heart and mind, I'm going forward. Man, I, I, I come out of that water, I busted that water speaking in tongues and I hugged everybody in that church. Man, they... They still wasn't too sure about me. Came in there with a pair of Wranglers, a velour shirt, an afro, and flip-flops. <laughs> Had a chain around my neck that said number one. But you know what? That night when I went home that night and I looked in the mirror, I didn't see something I liked. And I took that number one chain off and I threw it away. Threw it away. You know why? I found out there's only one that's number one. I found that one that's right. I found out who Jesus Christ was. Amen. And I took that number one off. I called Mobile Oil Production the next morning. I said, hey, listen. I said, I'd like to come uh, to work today, but I got some personal things I have to take care of. And they said, okay. And so I, that was in Bay City, Texas. El Campo's about 26 miles away, and that's where I was born and raised. And so I, I went over there, and I started knocking on people's doors I sold dope to. And they'd answer the door, and I'd apologize to them. Some of them slammed the door in my face. Some of them listened. Some of them said, I don't believe you. And I, I go to stores I stole out of Mr. Young. He weighed about 400 pounds. And big old man, we used to steal beer from him, put it in the bottom of an ice chest, put ice over the top of it, and they couldn't see it. When you brought it, they thought you just got some ice. And, and so God convicted me of that after, that night after I got the Holy Ghost. And, and so I went there, and I went, and I said, Mr. Young, I uh, talked to Jean Fee. She was working the counter. I said, Jean, I said, you remember me? She said, Danny Aber, I know you. She said, uh, could you go get Mr. Young? I got to tell him something. There's like three, four people behind me. And so Mr. Young comes out there, big old guy. I said, Mr. Young, you remember me? 
he squinted his eyes, turned his head, and he said, you used to come here about three or four years ago. I said, yes, sir, I used to steal from you, and you could have heard a pin drop. He said, what? I said, I used to steal from you, but I went to the Pentecostal church. I got the Holy Ghost. I got baptized in Jesus' name, and I come to pay you off, and I put more money on that counter than I thought that what I stole, and when I slid it to him, tears swelled up in his eyes. He said, I don't want that. I said, you got to take it. God made a radical adjustment to my extreme dilemma. I'm here to tell you that if you let God get a hold of you and make a radical adjustment today, he will lead you to souls that are hungry and they'll know there's something different about you. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. Radical, radical, radical adjustment. That house that you couldn't shut the doors or open the windows, it needed more than a paint job. It needed a foundational repair. It needed a radical adjustment, amen? And that's what God's trying to show us. He needs us. He needs to make a radical adjustment in your life to where you don't, you're not fearful of anything. What can they do to me, amen? I've been on that side. They haven't been on my side yet. I know what's there. They don't know what's here until I tell them, amen? I got to tell somebody who Jesus is. On April 9th, 1980, that's when God made a radical adjustment to my life. He turned my life around. He took control of the circumstances, and I quit letting circumstances control me. I told you all about Walmart the other night. And so, you know, you can't just get pushed through something. you got to stop and get what you need. Don't let the devil rush you through Wednesday night service. Don't let the devil rush you through Sunday service. You need to stop and make a, 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 a time of stopping and establishing something in your life and let God make that radical adjustment, amen? That's what God's looking for. Somebody that says, I'm going to stay here until I get a radical adjustment. <laughs> you know, man, uh, you, you go to them old uh, uh, chiropractors. Boy, they're real good at it. Man, you go in there and you say, I heard my back hurts. They say, oh, it'd be 21 treatments. How you know it's going to be 21? How, how you know it's not going to be 15? They all say 21. Man, I needed a radical adjustment. He didn't take 21 visits to the apostolic church. I, I got there in about 12. What the devil tried to do in 23 years, uh, he couldn't do. He did, couldn't destroy me. But God did in about 20 minutes, amen. He turned my life around. He made me a new creature in Christ. Old things passed away. And I had to tell somebody. I tell you what, the church needs to be a threat to Satan's kingdom. You hear what? We should be a threat to Satan's kingdom. The old devil, he, they, he right now, he's just going all over the place. He's working in his free will. But when the apostolic church comes together in one mind and one accord, he has to shut the gates of hell, friend. He has to shut them because you're going to be getting people out of there. They're going to quit going, I'm going to church. I'm going to get the Holy Ghost. I'm going to live for God. So he gets scared. Well, I know, I know, I know, I know. They tell you, they tell you, oh, the devil, he's going to come after you. Hey, you know, every time the devil comes after me, you know what I do? First time I, I, I was in church about a month, and I worshiped God. I was on fire for God. And then all of a sudden, I didn't feel God. And, and I said, uh-oh. And this old lady told me uh, that second week I was in church, you're going you're to come off that cloud. You're going to find out the devil's real. And after about a month, I was in the prayer room praying, and I didn't feel anything. And the old devil said, uh-huh, she was right. So I got to walking around the prayer room praying. I still didn't feel anything. I got to running around the prayer room praying. Still didn't feel anything. I got on the floor and rolled. And the only thing I felt was tired. But when I got up, I said, devil, I forgot you was there, but thanks for reminding me. I'm going to go find five souls and witness to them. And I'm going to go find five. I went and found five souls. Three came back, got the Holy Ghost. I got baptized in Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. Take control.
Let God make a radical adjustment. This city belongs to God. It don't belong to the devil. Somebody say praise the Lord. So you got to take control of the circumstance. Become a threat to Satan's kingdom. Man, become a threat to him, man. I, I tell you what, man, I, I, I got to witness and so many people that see me coming, they'd run. Most, most Pentecostals, we try to hide. We see somebody we know, we go down the next aisle. Amen. You need to go down that detergent aisle that says, has that, that product called shout. <laughs> you need to go down that and grab it and squirt some of that on you and shout a little bit. Amen. Uh, I was going through uh, Home Depot. I had this young boy from Connecticut came to Texas. He, he's giving his parents some problems. I put him to work on my little uh, horses and stuff and, and clean up the barn and everything. And we walked into Home Depot and we went there. I said, I get joy when I think about what he's done for me. Hollered it, man. And everybody just stops in the whole uh, Home Depot, man. And uh, I said, I get joy. I said, you don't know like I know. And this guy comes running up to me and says, man, he said, man, God has to get a hold of me. I need something from God. He came to church that night and he brought his wife and they got the Holy Ghost. Amen. Don't tell me that God don't know what he's doing. Let God make a radical adjustment. Pretty soon you'll be saying, clean up on all three. They'll be knocking paint cans over and everything. See, y'all laugh, but it, it's, it's fun living for God. Somebody said, man, it's hard being a Christian. You're nuts, man. The Bible says the way of a transgressor is hard. Say, so his yoke's easy. Reason is hard, you ain't been yoking yourself to him. That's, that's like, you, you know. You got to yoke yourself to him when you walk with Jesus, Amen. It makes a difference. It really does. And man, I'm so excited, you know. And, and so, man, I, I, I just, God showed me, He said, man, uh, you, you know why you should never get distressed? Now, I was dyslexic when I was young. And I was made fun of. I think I told you all that. I was made fun of in school because I couldn't read and stuff. But I was always happy. They couldn't ever figure out why I was always happy. But I'm dyslexic. You see everything backwards. When everybody else says stressed, I see dessert. Check it out. That's what it says. Amen. You might as well get some apostolic dyslexia going on in this place. Amen. And when you see stress, they say, no, that's dessert, man. My God can take care of that. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. Come on, church. Let God make a radical adjustment. Woo! So I, I never, nobody ever intimidated me, man. And when Sister Abra and I got married not long after I got in church, and she was from up north and moved down, and the first time I saw her, guys, she played that guitar and sang. I said, I'm, I told my friend, I'm going to marry her. He laughed. And it was a few months later we got married, and, and uh, uh, we're still, it's 43 years we've been married, and God's good to us, amen. But, uh, man, man uh, I'd get her to go to uh, my friends, Lawrence Roy and Mike Taylor and all them. I, we, on, on Saturday nights, we'd all get together, and we'd meet at the house, and we'd get high and stoned, and then we'd go party. And so I knew they'd be leaving the house around 9 o'clock. So uh, they started getting high about 9 o'clock, and they were going to start leaving the house. 
So I got Sister April, we got her guitar. We, took, we went over there to the house, Mike Taylor's house, where everybody conjugated at. And I knocked on the, the door. When they opened the door, oh, oh, Lawrence's face just dropped. He said, hey, Danny. He said, oh, hey, hey, Miss Aber, how you doing? I, I just walked right on in, sat down in the middle of them. I said, Sister April got her guitar. She wants to sing y'all some songs, man. She got there. She got to singing about Jesus. They got to boo and crying. And all of a sudden, God got a hold of them, and they didn't know what was going on. And I, we just stayed about 30 minutes. I said, well, we got to go. God bless y'all. And I walked out, and she walked out. And old Lawrence walked out. He said, I hate you, Abra. I hate you. You know you just messed our night up. You know that we can't have fun tonight because of that. See, you need to make a radical adjustment. You need to make sure they know who you are. Don't fear them. They fear you, amen. I wasn't scared I was going to go in there and maybe want to take a, a hit of that, that. No, 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 no. I went in there for a purpose. I, yay, though I walked through their little old apartment. I fear no evil. Goodness and mercy is going to follow me in that place. Sister Abram got to play and they got to cry. You know, it was, I, I didn't say anything about God, anything. Just played, she sang no song about Jesus left. She got a song called He Reached Down. Oh, so low, he reached out. She wrote that when she was 16 when she got the Holy Ghost. And man, they got to crying, boo-hooing. And man, I, I, I got to witness to them. You know what? There, there was uh, about uh, six months later, uh, I was sitting on the front row of the church and, and uh, Harris Graber comes and he gets here. He said, there's a guy back here. He knows you. He wants to talk to you. And Daryl McCoy was holding revival for us. And I went back there and it was Glenn Barr. He was one of the guys. He was one of the guys that was there that I smoked dope with and everything before I got in church. And, and he said, man, Danny, he said, God woke me up last night and told me I'm supposed to come to your church today. And he said, I didn't even know where it was at, but he said, I drove right here. I came right here. And I said, come on with me. I put him on the front row. I don't put him on the back. I put him on the front. We had what we called the front row patrol. All the young men sat on the front row, amen? Because we wanted to make sure that the church knew that these young men were on fire for God, amen? Because when another young person came in, they saw where we were at, amen? And man, I, I mean, I take him to the front row and he just sits there and squalls and balls the whole time. And man, God filled him with the Holy Ghost. He got baptized. And a couple years later, he got killed in a car accident. What would have happened if I wouldn't have went there that night to that house? What would have happened if I'd been intimidated by, by, by what, what uh, somebody might think of me or my friends? You know why I wasn't scared to walk into that apartment? Because the Bible says we're more than conquerors. Oh, y'all... Y'all don't get it. We're more than conquerors. Why? Why does it say more than conquer? Why don't it just say you're a conqueror? Conqueror's cool. I mean, you conquer, you conquer, right? I mean, you win. But he says we're more than conquerors. That's why you should be able to let God make a radical adjustment to where you don't fear anything out there. You're not embarrassed about God out there because you're more than a conqueror. You know what that means? When, when a conqueror, the two guys get in the box ring, they box for a million dollars, and the one knocks the other one out, and he gets the million dollars, and he goes home and says, Honey, I, I want a million dollars, and she takes it out of his hands. He was the conqueror, but she was more than the conqueror. You know why she was more than a conqueror? She didn't have to fight the fight, but she received the benefit of the victory. And you don't have to fight the devil. He's been defeated. Be a recipient. Be a recipient of the move of God. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. 
Somebody ought to shout praise the Lord. You've got to fight this fight more than the conquer. I wonder how much of our lives are really dominated by the Spirit of God. Man, I, I, I tell you what, man, when I, to this day, 43 years later, if the devil uh, just starts by, I said, five souls, devil. And, and I forget what I'm doing. I'll just go find five brand new people. I don't know. I, I don't care. And, and you know what our problem is? Is we become so Pentecostalized that when we go out to witness, we try to figure out who wants God and who don't want God. You know what I'm saying? And so then we go to the one we think wants God and they don't want God, and then we get embarrassed. Instead of stepping back before you go to that store and say, God, I don't know anybody in here, but you know everybody. That's what I do. I don't know anybody. You know everybody. If there's anybody that's hungry for God, God, lead me to that person right now. Man, he's led me to Frito-Lay men. He's led me to a shoe shine, man. You hear what I'm talking about? He's led me to all kinds of people. And standing in front of a, uh, uh, the little 7-Elevens, weeping and crying, man, I've stopped and prayed them through right there. Sister Abe and I going to church, there was a girl that was hitchhiking uh, on the side of the road. We picked her up and took her to church, and she got the Holy Ghost and got baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, there's a guy in jail. I preached to him. He got out on a Wednesday night, and he was an atheist. He said he didn't believe in God. But when he got out of jail, guess who he called? He called me. And so I went and picked him up, and he said, man, my life's messed up. I put him on the front row, and boy, Brother Moore got the preaching. And when my pastor got the preaching, he said, it was Wednesday night. Dead, boring Wednesday night. You know, you know what I'm talking about? But it wasn't dead and boring because when you have church, you have church. Whether it's teaching, whether it's preaching, it's going to be alive. Amen. I come sitting on the edge of the pew, man. I come ready to slap that pulpit. I come ready to say amen to something. And so, man, we, we, we got him there. And, uh, boy, he, uh, he, he sits there and Brother Moore got to preach it. He said, well, he said, I was going to teach this, but he said, God wants me to teach on the oneness of God. He, this guy's an atheist, right? And I didn't tell my pastor. My pastor didn't know I was bringing him. He started talking about the oneness of God. And when my pastor started talking about the oneness of God, he started rubbing his chest. And the longer my pastor preached and taught, the harder he rubbed his chest. And when my pastor finished teaching, he said, man, I feel something. I said, that's that God you don't believe in. And he said, what do I do? I said, come on, take a few steps. He came up to the altar, and God filled him with the Holy Ghost. He got baptized in Jesus' name that night. Amen. Let's give the Lord a heck of a praise. Somebody shout praise the Lord. He said, Brother Avery, he said, I, I hadn't been back home uh, in, in three or four weeks. I've been in jail that whole time. He said, I know my wife's not going to take me back, but he said, will you take me by there and talk to her? I said, I sure will. And so I drove him over there, and we got to the house and knocked on the door, and when she opened the door, she was crying. She'd been crying, and she opened the door, and when she saw, uh, when she saw Ed uh, DePizzo, she said, she said, you get out of here. I don't want to ever see you again. I hate you. She got ready to slam door. I said, ma'am, wait, wait. I said, I'm from the Pentecostal church. I said, he got the Holy Ghost tonight and spoke in tongues and got baptized in Jesus' name. And she fell right there in the doorway and she began to weep and cry. And she said, you're not going to believe this. She said, but I was just in there praying. And I remembered when I was a 13-year-old girl, my grandma sent me to Texas camp, Pentecostal church camp when I was 13. And I got the Holy Ghost and I got baptized in Jesus' name. And I said, God, if you're real, I said, show me if you're real, God. And you come knocking on my door telling me my husband got the Holy Ghost. And she came that Sunday night and they, got, they renewed their marriage vows. Amen. That's what God does. God makes radical adjustments to extreme the limits. He don't tear apart marriages. He puts marriages back together. My God's able to put things together. Amen. Radical, radical, radical. We got to the place where we passive, passive, passive. 
Oh, thank you, Jesus. No, man, I, I want you to make a radical adjustment in our life. Amen. Man, you get sick enough, you'll want a radical adjustment. Man, I was preaching in jail, and I told them uh, Wednesday night, I told them, I said, I, said, uh, I love preaching in jail because uh, they can't go anywhere. They got to listen, you know. And, and so, man, I, I was preaching in jail, and these two guys said, well, we don't want, want, want what you have. But there's a, a girl named Susie Black, and, and uh, she's drug out. She's strung out on crack, and she's messed up. Uh, uh, Mr. Abel, she's messed up. And said, her name's Susie Black, and here's where she lived. She lived in the projects. And uh, he said, they done took her little baby boy who was deaf in both ears, never heard a word, three years old. So they took their little boy away from her, and uh, she, she's just doing more and more dope. Would you go talk to her? I said, sure. And so when I left the jailhouse, I went by where she lived, and her front door was kicked in. It was hanging by the chain lock. And when I pushed the door open, I looked. I said, Susie? And she looked at me. She said, Danny Aber. She had gotten married. Her name was Black at the end. But before that, she was a, a, her, her and her, uh, her uh, brother rodeoed with me. And I said, she said, is that you, Danny? I said, yeah. She said, I heard you're a preacher. I said, yeah. I said, I heard you're going to church with me tonight. <laughs> she said, I don't have anything to wear. I said, what you got on is fine. I said, uh, my wife and I are going to come back and get you. And we went and got She said, would you go by my, my mom's house and see if she'll let me take my little boy to church with me? Uh, I can't see him by myself. And my mom got custody. And if, if, if we do something wrong, they'll take him away from her. And so we drove over there, and, Miss, and her mom said, Danny Aber, what are you doing? I said, well, we're going to church with Susie. I'm taking Susie to church, and uh, she just wanted to know if that little boy could come with us. And she said, Danny, man, if the courts found out that I left her, I said, oh, she'll never be alone. We have a nursery. We'll put the little boy in the nursery, and we'll sit with her out in the, uh, in the congregation, and she'll never be alone. She said, Danny, you promise? I said, I promise. And so we get to church. We get there a little late, and they were singing, I'm going to lift up the name of Jesus, amen. And I marched her down right to the front row. I, I, listen, I, I don't care. I, you know why I put them on the front row? I don't want them to see everybody else talking back there. I don't see everybody else looking at Now they look at their phones and stuff. Back then they just stared like <laughs> count ceiling tiles or something, you know. Man, we walked up and she got right to the front row when she stopped. When she stopped the choir, we just were singing. That's all that was happening. The song service started. And she lifted up her hands and she began to weep and cry. And I whispered her near and told her about who Jesus was. And as I began to explain who Jesus was, tears just streamed down her face. And for about 15 minutes, she just wept and cried. Church hadn't even started yet. Places exploding, people shouting, climbing over pews and stuff. And, and, and we were just worshiping God. And I said, now, I said, you know, you need the Holy Ghost. You got the Holy Ghost. I said, what you need now is to be baptized in Jesus' name. And so we took her back there and we baptized her in Jesus' name. We have baptismal robes. And so, uh, Brother Moore baptized her in Jesus' name. When she come out of that water, she busted that water, and she got to speaking in tongues. And then, man, I mean, she came in there. She was a drug addict. When she came in, her eyes were crystal clear when she come out of that water. And she jumped out of the baptismal tank and run out into the middle of the church and run down that front aisle to go around to where the nursery was. And here I am chasing her, man. I'm running after her because I knew she was going to get her boy. And she can't be alone. She, she got over. I said, now, Susie, I said, you can't be alone with your voice. She said, you don't understand. He's deaf. He's never heard. When I come out of the water, God said he was going to heal him. And so we came up there. You can ask Brother Daryl McCoy from Texas. I, I brought him up to that platform. And when they put their hands on that little boy's head, he closed his ears because the drums and the guitar was so loud. God healed that little boy. God made a radical adjustment. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap. My God made a radical adjustment to an extreme dilemma. 
Radical adjustments. Radical. You need to let God make a radical adjustment in your life. Man, you need to see him as he is. Amen. You need to come more than the conquer. You need to take back what the devil stole. Amen. You need to tell hell I'm not coming. Matter of fact, somebody ought to stand up and tell hell I'm not coming right now. Amen. Because if you do, I tell you, you're taking the power back away from the devil. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. Radical, radical, radical. Oh, man, I, I tell you what, uh, the most fun I've ever had has been since I've been in church. I've never had so much fun in my life, man. I, I, I've never would have dreamed I'd be in Panama and sit down on a shoe shine you know, and have a guy start shining my shoes and I tell him about Jesus and he closes up, don't even finish shining my boots and says, baptize me right now. We take him into a, a swimming pool in a hotel where all these visitors are. And they watched me baptize him in Jesus' name. He comes out of the water speaking in tongues. He became a Pentecostal preacher there in Panama. You, you know, it gets exciting. When you get excited about, well, you know what? Well, eh, eh, eh. Abraham, church isn't excited. If you get excited about church, church be exciting. Well, I've been married a while. I'm not too, too excited about it. If you're not excited about your marriage, you need to get excited about your marriage. You get excited, it'd be exciting, amen? And you come to church and say, well, I just don't know. You get excited about God. Church is going to be exciting, amen? God's going to show you things. Whether it's a Tuesday night, Wednesday night, or Sunday night, it don't matter. God's going to do it. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Man, I was, I was a missionary, and I had about uh, 10 knucklehead young men that wanted to be preachers in Guyana. And you got to ride like a 14 hours it takes you to go from Georgetown to Suriname to New, uh, New Nikiri. And so you got to ride. He got traveling a minibus and it's all dirt roads and you're sweating and the dirt's clinging to you and you get on a, a ferry and it takes like four and a half hours for the ferry to go across through there. And then you get to the other side and it was dark and they don't have electricity there. Lights are all out during the, you know, they kind of cut them off. And, and so, man, we're walking down there to the place where we were supposed to have church and we get there and I got all these knucklehead young men around me and they're walking around me saying, man, this shoe's hard. I'm hungry. Oh, you know, it's dirt and I was like, you bunch of sissies. <laughs> and how are we going to have church with this group? <laughs> I'm going to have to pray them through first. And we get to the house where we're supposed to have the, because their they're, uh, they're surname's uh, below sea level, so they build their houses on stilts, so you have an automatic church. All you need is chairs, because the houses are like 15 foot up the, off the ground, you know. And so we got there, and nobody was there. And boy, the guys got them complaining and graphic. Now, it's not like just driving somewhere and going to eat. But so we had to find a restaurant to go to. And, and there was a Chinese restaurant. And, and it, it's all open air. And, it, and there's an old mangy dog laying right in the doorway. And uh, we get there. And they got, because they're below sea level, Suriname got canals, kind of like what you see in Holland. You know, the canals, the ditches that go all between the houses and stuff. And so that, that's what it was. And we crossed over, and we went in there, and we got down and sat down at a table. And I saw this little girl over there, and she was crying. And, and she had her head down. She was crying. And, and I didn't know what was wrong, but we were hungry. And, and those guys kept going, man, why don't you come over here? We're hungry, man. Why don't you come over here? Pretty soon she came over there, and she was wiping her eyes. And, and uh, she said, could I help you? I said, well, first of all, I want to know. I said, are, are you Okay. She said, not really. I said, well, here, sit down, sit down. I want you to tell me what's the matter. A pastor. She sat down and she told me about 
she, she's pregnant and the boy won't, won't marry her. And she don't know what she's going to do. Her parents kicked her out of the house. And she, she said, I just don't know what I'm going to do. I said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I taught her a Bible study right there. I took her through the eight steps from death to life, what I talked to y'all about. And I showed her in the Bible, you know, that everywhere somebody was baptized, they were baptized in Jesus' name in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter uh, uh, 8 and Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 19. And then I got to Acts chapter 22, 16. Why tarryest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And when I read that scripture, something went on there, like a light bulb went on, and she gets up and walks off. And the guy's going, she didn't take our order. They were mad at me. She comes back out and she's got her purse and she's got a sweater. It'd be 100 degrees at night and that's still where sweaters over there in Suriname. And so she comes out and she says, I'm ready. I said, ready for what? She said, I'm ready to get baptized. She said, why tarries thou? Rise and be baptized, right? Well, there ain't no place to baptize except them trenches. And then them trenches are anacondas and caimans, small alligators. Maybe you had noticed, but I'm white. I glow in the dark. <laughs> Here she is, and I'm ready for what? Well, where am I? She said, You baptized me right there. I'm talking about a nasty old dirty trench. And friend, I took my boots off and I rolled my pants leg up, and they was glowing. <laughs> I put her in the water first. And then I jumped down in there, and I said, I baptize you, Ron, in the name of Jesus Christ for a minute. And I put her down, I jumped back up out of that water, and I got to praying for her. She got the Holy Ghost that night, amen, after getting baptized. We started a church in New Nikiri, amen. That night, let's give the Lord a hand clap. Radical adjustments. God wants to make a radical adjustment in Vacaville. But the church has to be a church. Man, get excited about this thing, man. That's the fastest baptism I ever did in my life. Y'all go ahead and laugh, man, but I saw some of them anacondas and came up before, man. I won't give them any time to have lunch on me, amen. We were on deputation getting ready to go to, go to uh, Panama and Costa Rica as missionaries, and we were over uh, where uh, Brother Von Morton was in that, that city. What was that? Fresno? And we were in Fresno, and, and, and uh, we, I was doing a minister's conference. I was talking to him about soul winning. And I was telling him about five souls, devil. You don't say five souls. And, and God leads you to somebody. If you, if you get one out of the five, fine. I, sometimes I don't get any, but I still put myself in command. I, I took control of the circumstances, what I'm saying. Sometimes you don't get any. Sometimes you get five. Sometimes you get four, three, maybe one. Some, most times you don't get none, but you still took control of the circumstance. You're not letting circumstances control you, amen? So, man, I'm all excited, man. And so uh, we, I'm teaching, and a bunch of these old young preachers, they, they, I could tell, man, they're kind of mocking me back there. You can see them talking, kind of laughing. And so then we go to eat, and there wasn't a whole lot of place to eat around there, so we went to Long John Silver's. And so uh, we were Brother Price and Brother Brown, and we were standing in line, and we're coming through the line, and them young preachers were back there saying, Hey, Abra, has God led you to somebody yet? I mean, I think they were saying that. They're, they're laughing at me, you know. Hey, what's holding up the line? Some, did God lead you to somebody? And so then when we got up there, there's a little old girl. Her name's Debbie, and she had her name tag on. She had a tattoo right there of a cross on her, on her hand. And uh, I walked up there. I said, praise the Lord, Debbie. How are you doing today? 
She said, how do you know me? I said, your name tag says, she goes, oh, I'm so embarrassed. I said, have you ever heard of Pentecost? Have you been to a Pentecost church? She goes, no. I said, you never been to a Pentecost church? No. And this guy says, what's the hold? I said, be quiet. God led me to somebody this way. And so I invited her. We were going to be at Von Morton's church the following Sunday, a week, following Sunday. You know, most times you tell people and they say they're going to come, they don't come, right? But she said, we told her about Pentecost. I said, Sister Abra talked to her. So Sister Abra talked to her for a long time and, and got her information and everything. And we said, we'll call you when we get in town. And so when we got in town that next Sunday, uh, Sister Abra calls her at 2 o'clock. Church wasn't until 6, I think it was. And, and so Sister Abra calls her and says, uh, uh, Debbie, this is Lori. She said, we don't know if you're still going to go to church with us. And she said, I'm ready right now. She said, my little sister's coming too. She said, now, my, my husband's going to go. He's Laotian. I don't even know what a Laotian was. He's Laotian. Never heard of it before. And he don't like American churches. And he said, if we go, he's coming with me. But boy, don't let anybody, just tell everybody stay away from me because he's mean. Okay. So man, we get to church. We sit him down about the middle of the rows. And I'm up there and I start preaching about radical adjustments. I'm talking about radical adjustments, reading the limits. And all of a sudden, man, the place just explodes. And everybody starts running to the altar. Debbie's little sister runs. Debbie runs to the altar. And, and, and every, I mean, there's so many people I couldn't even move. I couldn't even go down and pray with people. There were so many people coming to the altar and surrounded. And Debbie's little sister lifts her hands, man, and she gets the Holy Ghost. And Debbie lifts her hands, she gets the Holy Ghost. And all of a sudden, we see her husband coming. He's pushing people out of the way. He's Laotian. Still don't know what a Laotian is. And he's pushing them through there. But I know that he ain't, he ain't a happy camper, you know. And boy, he gets up there. When he gets in front of her, she just falls right in his face and speaking in tongues with her hands up in the air. And he's holding. And then I see this guy, like about six foot five guy, looked like Ichabod Crane. He was crawling over the pews coming. And I knew where he was going. I knew he was going for that Laotian man. And man, he got to climbing over them pews. And when he got to them pews, he got that Laotian man and he, he began to talk in that guy's ear and that guy began to shake his head up and down. Yeah, and he put his hand on his head. That Laotian lifted his head, received the Holy Ghost, got baptized, all three of them, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now that's a radical adjustment. After it's over, I said, dude, who are you? He said, I'm out of Brother Von Morton Church. I have the only Laotian work, and we're about uh, an hour away. But today, God told me to cancel our night service and come here. He had something for me to do. Don't tell me my God don't know what he's talking about. My God makes radical adjustments. Come on, get yourself out of the way. Clap your hands. When you worship God, you're getting yourself out of the way, and God can make a radical adjustment. Somebody shout praise the Lord. Radical, 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 radical adjustments. Radical adjustments. He's still making radical adjustments. God still gives me people to this day that I've never met before. That I talk to them and they just break down because I can see I got myself out of the way. God leads me to souls that are ready right now. You see, that's what you got to do is you got to come to the place that, that, that if, if God moves on you, do it. If you don't, then he's not going to move on you anymore to do it. And let God, don't, don't try to figure out who wants God and who don't want God. Just, just let God lead you. When you see somebody, you, you got to touch your heart and say they're ready. And just start talking to them, amen? And don't beat them up with the Bible. Man, always find out where they're from, what they're doing, what kind of work they do. 
Hey, I'm new to this town. What's going on? I love your town. That's what I always start off with. Boy, I love your town. You think they're going to be mean to me then? You tell somebody, oh, I love your town. They're so friendly. You think they're going to say, no, it's not. <laughs> oh, man, you done tore down the wall. You done got their attention, man. You're smiling. Guess what? It's going to rub off on them. Because, man, you, you, God's changed you. Amen? And so, so man, uh, you, you just got to let God do things, lead you to people that are hungry right now. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, God makes radical adjustments, not just in your personal life and your spiritual life, but you know, physically God makes radical adjustments. God, God really does. You know, God uh, led me to three people before, uh, three people that had cancer, and God led me to them to pray for them. And when I prayed for them, God healed every one of them. And God just gave me the sensitivity to, to people that have cancer. And, and they're all in their last stages. They were told they weren't going to live. And so here they are, you know, sick, real sick. And, man, I, God leads me, and I pray for them, and God heals them. Yeah. And it, I, I pray for somebody that, that had a sore throat, and God wouldn't do anything. But it was just three times God used me for people that had cancer. And, and see, when God takes you through a process, he's training you. Every day, God's training you for something. Every one of your experiences is a training process for you to be able to witness to somebody that's going through the same thing. If you'll listen, what's happening in life, you'll be able to minister to them. Amen? And so, so uh, it was in 2009. Uh, we moved to Las Vegas, just got there, bought our home, and uh, I threw a blood clot. Felt like an elephant sat on my chest. They, they uh, flew me out to UCLA, uh, the ho medical hospital out there in California, and they found the blood clot, and uh, they began to put me on all this stuff, uh, warfarin wolf, wolf, or something, whatever, you know, bruises you up real bad and everything. And, and, I, and I was sick. I was very sick. And they said, uh, we got bad news. I said, I'm already sick. I'm, you know, I don't feel good. It was, it was bad. Well, you got, you got CLL, chronic lymph leukemia. You got stage four leukemia. Uh, stage four, I, I, I've been going to the VA. They never said anything about it. Stage four, we got to put you in the hospital right now. So they put me back in the hospital. And uh, when they did the uh, test on me for my lymph nodes, every lymph node was the size of a golf ball. And the one on my neck was the size of a tangerine. I never, I had it there for a while. I never went to the doctor. You know how guys are, yeah, no big deal. And then all of a sudden, it started pressing against my carotid artery, and I began to start getting dizzy and falling and stuff. And, and they said, you need to come in. We need to put you on chemo right now, man. I mean, they rushed me in there, and they stick the needle in my arm. And, and, and if you've never done chemo now, the chemo I did, uh, Rataton or something like that had rat in it. And, and uh, they put it in me, and, and I, I got freezing cold. I started just freezing, shivering. There's like eight other guys taking chemo down the line at the VA hospital. They just put you in a line. You know how they do it. And, and, and man, I'm sitting there and I'm freezing. And I tell that lady, man, I'm crying. I say, I, I don't want this. I, I take it out. Take it out right now. I don't want it. I don't want to do this. And she said, it's going to be, they kept putting in warm blankets. You know, they got the warm blanket. Kept putting them on me. And she kept talking to me, Mr. Avery, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And I said, no, no, I'm freezing. I'm freezing. By the time they got the medicine down there to take away the freezing, then that medicine makes you vomit. And I started just throwing up all the time. I said, oh, I don't want to do this. And so I did four cycles of chemo. And I ended up one night, I couldn't even get out of bed. And uh, I literally crawled. And I went to the VA hospital and I uh, got there. And they said, uh, you don't have an immune system. We got to put you in isolation. They put me for nine days in isolation. They put me in there. You know, I didn't have anybody to talk to but God now. 
Couldn't have no pity parties. I couldn't cry to anybody. Nobody could give me any negative feedback. You know what I'm saying? Oh, you've had a good run. I was, I was hurting. And I was in there for nine days. And as I sat there for nine days, man, all I had to talk to was God. And I began to talk to God. And God began to deal with me about my situation. And I knew I needed a radical adjustment. Either he was going to make a radical adjustment to let me pass away and go on to be with him and be healed, or I was going to get healed right there. And I didn't feel like God was through with me. So I just began to pray and say, God, I said, man, if you got something else for me, if you got something else for me, I said, just let me know. And while I was sitting there, uh, now I'm from Texas. And I can't even speak English very well. And uh, uh, but I wrote a poem. Now, you better not tell nobody in Texas I wrote a poem because, you know. <laughs> but I wrote a poem that, to God. I, I wrote something to God. And I wrote it one time. I didn't write it and rewrite it and rewrite it and rewrite it. This is what God gave me in isolation uh, when I needed that radical adjustment, when I needed him to do something in my life, when I was at the lowest point, either take me. And I was able to say, yes, God. I said, if you're going to take me, go ahead and take me. If not, I said, heal me. And this is what I wrote. The day the doctor told me my cancer has spread, I questioned the Lord about what was just said. I felt the wave of doubt creep over me, wanting to walk by faith and not by what I see. I painted on a smile like a circus clown, not wanting my family to know I was down. I remember the day the pick line was put in as I watched the first cycle of chemo begin. The chill that ran through my body that day was like fire and ice to my dismay. Looking at the other patients, a lifeless stare in their face, I closed my eyes and prayed for God's grace. I remember the nausea that swept over me, hugging the toilet, I was down on one knee, feeling lonely and tired and so out of place, I closed my eyes and prayed for God's grace. I felt so helpless and overwhelmed in that hour, the devil was taunting me, where's God's power? With warm tears of doubt running down my face, I closed my eyes and I prayed for God's grace. Four months of chemo getting worse by the day. My body was weak and my faith began to sway. I sat there numb, just staring into space. I closed my eyes and prayed for God's grace. The pain that I felt really can't be told as I saw my life begin to unfold. The things that flood your mind in a time like this make you search your heart for something you missed. I was rushed to the ER thinking I was going to die. They called and told my wife to say her goodbye. But Lori kept praying even as my health declined that's when God healed my body and he touched my mind. It was then when everything became so clear. My God is real. There's nothing to fear. I was working in the kingdom and I lost the wonder, just going through the motion, being tossed here and yonder. I was broken by a fresh revelation of God that day, no longer willing to live my life in the gray. Smiling and realizing I had something to do, it was time to go through what I was going through. You might be going through something right now, but what you need to do is make up your mind that you're already to the other side. Well, you got to make up your mind that God's making a radical adjustment. And whatever it is I'm through here in my, in my physical body, I might, but in my mind, I'm there. When Caleb saw that mountain, the walls of Jericho couldn't stop it. Those walls got to come down. Why? God promised me that mountain, amen. And when the foreground looks bad, lift up your eyes to the hills from which cometh your help. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Let me, let me finish it. So smiling and realizing I had something to do, it was time to go through what I was going through. 
As warm, tear, as warm tears of joy began to run down my face, this time I closed my eyes and thanked God for his grace because God healed me that day. I said, God healed me that day. And it's been since that time, i not one marker of cancer in my body. They do my blood work at the VA every six months. God has completely healed me. My God made a radical adjustment. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. Come on, church. There's people in Vacaville. They need a radical adjustment. Musicians, come get ready. Hallelujah. He made a radical adjustment to my extreme dilemma. Can you imagine God used me to pray for three people that were in last stage uh, cancer and I saw God heal them and then now I've got stage four cancer and I'm in isolation. You don't think the devil didn't try to throw stuff at me? You don't think he didn't try to put a, uh, bring in the cold front of fear? You don't think he didn't try to bring in a windstorm on me and try to get me discouraged and try to get me all messed up? No, no, he did. But you know what? I kept talking to God. I kept talking to God because I remembered what he had done before me. Amen. Before he did. He, he healed me. He saved me. He's done everything. I began to just turn it all over to God and God made a radical adjustment to my extreme dilemma. You know what Vacaville needs? It needs a church that has a radical adjustment. It needs a church that's in one mind and one accord. It needs a church that speaks the same thing. It needs a church that says, you know what? I'm going forward. Uh, you better get out of the way, devil. I'm going to prosper. I'm going to go forward. And I'm not going to stop. Amen? I'm more than a conqueror. Somebody say, praise the Lord. More than a conqueror. You know, when I was a boy, I loved Superman. Superman was cool. I didn't like Batman. He couldn't fly. You know, we had a guy in the Army that got so discouraged, he jumped out of a four-story window. Broke his legs, his pelvis, some ribs, arm. And before they'd send him home, he had to come back to our room. We called him Batman. He said, why do you call me Batman? I said, Batman can't fly, dude. You shouldn't have ever jumped out that window. <laughs> but I like Superman. I like Superman. That Superman was bad, man. Back when I was a kid, they didn't have dirty magazines in the stores. Little kids could go and get the comic books, and you could look at them right there. And I remember this one. It showed a bomb coming straight for the city. You know, Clark Kent... He had his hat on, his glasses, and his suit. He had his hands in his pockets, and he had amnesia. He didn't know who he was. He had amnesia. And he was walking down, and people were running. You could see every time he turned the page, they'd be going, and the little bubble would say, where's Superman? And turned the page. Bomb's getting closer. Where's Superman? He can save us. Turned the page. Where's Superman? And then all of a sudden, you turn the page and some people run by Superman and it shows them they knock him over and he can't get his hands out of his pocket. He hits his head on the curb and he gets up and he remembers who he was and he jumps into the phone booth and he comes out Superman and he catches the bomb right before it hits the city. Oh, Superman's awesome. We laugh. But we're just like that. We got the power to save our city. But we walk around with our hands in our pockets. We got apostolic amnesia. 
We forgot who we are. We forgot the power that God has given us. We walk with our head down and we never look up and see the lost in people's eyes so that God can lead us to somebody that's hungry, somebody that needs God, a marriage that's falling apart. And that's why I came here today. I came here to jolt you. I came here to bump you. I came here to get you to wake up from who you are. God's given you the power. He wants you to make a radical adjustment to your extreme dilemma. God wants you to have a radical adjustment. We're Superman. There's so many people hurting today. There's so many teenagers and and young kids that have been molested today. There's nobody there for them and we still walk around with apostolic amnesia. My mom, my mom had, had uh, Alzheimer's. She could remember some of the old things, but she couldn't remember anything right in the present. And it used to, it used to just hurt me so bad because she couldn't remember what's going on. And, and that's like us. All we remember is the old Pentecost when we had moves of God. Oh, I remember. I remember when. I, I remember when. But but we got uh, apostolic amnesia now, dementia, because we're not allowing God to use us. We're happy with clapping our hands. We're happy with just coming to church and getting a little shout or something, but it's more than a shout. It's the excitement that has to go from your feet to your eyes so that when people see you and you talk to them, they know there's something different about you. Like that guy in in Home Depot, he ran up to me. I didn't scare everybody off. No doubt some of them thought I was crazy. But it was time to go through what I was going through. It's time to get to the other side. Whatever you're going through today, make up your mind, I'm going through it. In my heart, in my mind, I'm already to the other side. God's got the miracle waiting on me on the other side. I'm not going to sit here and wallow in self-pity. I'm not going to sit here and get better. I'm going to go to the other side. And when I had cancer and they said I was going to die, I still said, you know what, that day in isolation, it's time to go through what you're going through. I might still be sick, but on the other side, I'm healed. Whether he heals me here or there, I'm healed. And I did not get down, but I began to worship him and the power of God came down and healed my body. He made a radical adjustment. Every head bowed. How many of you need a radical adjustment in your life right now? How many of you have got to the place where you're complacent and all you can talk about is how it used to be? My son said, Dad, you're getting old. Can you still shout? I said, I can still shout, son. I just can't jump as high as I used to. But I can still shout. I've been in this thing 43 years. And every day makes a radical adjustment. He brought me here to, to bump you with this message brought me here to shake you I got medicine at home that says shake well before using that's what God has to do to us sometimes he has to shake us real good before he can use us
And I came here to shake you. I came here to get you to look at the, the way that it really is. That God said, if you'll allow him to make a radical adjustment, you'll become more than a conqueror. You'll quit fighting the things of this world, and you'll understand that you've already got the victory over it, and you'll look to the harvest field from which comes. God's going to give you souls. His harvest is plenteous. His harvest. How do you think God gave my wife and I 69 So His harvest is plenteous. That wasn't people we knew. My family didn't come in until two, two years later. But God wants to shake you right now. Let's come around this altar. And as they began to sing, I want you to let God shake you. If you've got some little bit of uh, uh, apostolic amnesia going on and forgot who you are and what power you got, you've become a new creature in Christ. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. God wants you to be a new creature in Christ. He wants you to leave here different. He wants to leave you to leave here with fire in your eyes. When people can see there's something that they'll say they've been with Jesus. Because they walk different. They talk different. They act different. Radical adjustments. God wants to make a radical adjustment. God wants to make a radical adjustment. Look out, Maccaville. Look out, Maccaville. There's some apostolics. They're shaking themselves. You're going to have to go on the defensive. The gates of hell shall not prevail. Whoa, come on. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, break through. Don't leave here until God makes a radical adjustment. Don't leave here till God takes away your doubt, your fear, your complacency. Come on. God, you touch these young girls, Lord. God, you use them in a mighty way, Lord. Let them feel the power of God. Let them have a radical adjustment. Oh, come on, come on, young people. Come on, you young girls. Let God make a radical adjustment. God's going to use y'all. God's going to use you. They're going to know you've been with Jesus. Oh, come on, Mom. Come on, Dad. Come on, radical, 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 radical. Come on, Brother Nickel. Come on, Brother Nickel. Radical adjustment. Come on, Brother. Radical adjustment. It's time to go through what you're going through. It's time to get to the other side. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Oh, Jesus, Lord, I love you, Jesus. 
Jesus. I love you, Jesus. That's it. You let God use you, young lady. Go ahead. Let God use you. Let God use you. It's okay. Sing to the Lord. Let God make a radical adjustment. Yes, come on. Come on. Come on. Vacaville's going to know there's a church in town. Oh, Jesus. God, I love you, Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, young men, lift your hands and worship God. Come on, young men, lift your hands and worship God. Boys, our young guys, we stayed on that front row. We worship God every service. We got with that preacher every service. Because God made a radical adjustment. Hallelujah. If God has kept you from this world, that's a radical adjustment. Oh, oh, come on. Right now, radical adjustment. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. That's it, sister. That's it. That's it. That's God. You're feeling God right now. That's the Holy Ghost following you. Oh. Come on, young men. Come on, young men. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's worship him. Worship him. Come on, don't leave until you got a radical adjustment. Don't leave till you got a radical adjustment. Come on. Come on. Let the Holy Ghost shake you. Let the Holy Ghost shake you. Radical, 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 radical adjustment. Come on. Come on, you're being exposed to the presence of God. Right now, you're taking on God's characteristics. Come on, young girls. You worship God. You love Him. Come on, young boys. Take on God's characteristics. Hallelujah.
Alléluia. Alléluia. Oh, find somebody to pray with right now. Young man, reach over and pray for a young man. Young lady, reach over and pray for another young lady. Oh, come on, we're in this together. One mind, one accord. Radical adjustments. Radical adjustments. You're more than a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. Receive the benefit of the victory that Jesus brought you. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.